Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. I want you to I want you to turn you can turn to Matthew 11 we're going to hit several scriptures and again this all just kind of came to me since I've been at church but I, I do feel like I have something from the Lord that will help us um, and it's it's consistent with uh, what I think was on Drew's heart this morning, um, and uh, that the Lord was laying on his heart. Sun's shining outside, and it's just a good day. Last week, we were in Hebrews chapter 4, and we were talking about rest and what it means to rest in God, to actually trust Him that He's enough and what He's done is enough. And, And it no longer be about whether I am enough because I've been walking with God for 40 years and, and, um, I'm pretty well convinced that I'm not enough, uh, but but He is enough, and I, I've made this statement to you over the years. Um, I'm still here. I'm still in this, not because of any promises I made to God, but because of the promises He made to me. The, the you know, uh, the promise I made to God when I met Him. Show me your real and I'll serve you forever. Now, that's great, but the fact is I've been up and down on that promise, in and out, faithful and unfaithful. Um, but the reality is, is that the promise that he made to me never fails. You're here today because of the promises God made to you. I'm not saying that the promises you made to him were inconsequential or that they don't matter. What I'm saying is you will not walk this out based upon what you've promised him. You'll walk this out based upon what he has promised you. And what he's promised you is that he'll never leave you or forsake you. And that he that has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. What he's promised you is that he's got this thing. What he's promised you is that uh, all things will work together for your good because you love the Lord, and because you're the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, these he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. So he says, what then should we say to these things? God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. And, and so last week we were talking about that resting. There remains a rest there for the, for the people of God, for he that has entered into his rest has also ceased from his works as God did from his. We're not trying to earn it anymore. And remember, that's what we were talking about with heaven. 
uh, a couple of weeks ago where in heaven, the great thing about heaven is we're finally going to be convinced that we can't earn this. Because now even, even those of you that, you know, study grace and, and, and you believe it, you honestly believe it, but we all struggle with that thing inside of us that says, yeah, but somehow I got to earn some of it, you know, otherwise I'm going to be like so-and-so because earning always goes hand in hand with comparison, right? And so when you're in comparison mode, you know you're also in earning mode, right? Those two go hand in gloves. So uh, when we get to heaven, we're finally going to look around and say, you know, this was all about him. <laughs> this thing was finished from the foundation of the world. Back when I was striving and trying to earn it and trying to do the works, it was already finished from the foundation of the world. How come I didn't know that? Oh, I didn't listen to D when he preached, or I would have known. But the reason I didn't listen, because he didn't act like he believed it some of the times. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it was a struggle. And so we talked and we said, we have to be able, because he said, we have boldness to approach the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And in order to do that, we have to believe that we belong. We have to believe that we can walk right up to the throne of God and it's all right for us to be there. Right? That we're not going to get, who let you in? Right? Out with you. And um, so... Uh, that's, that's kind of where we left off, and I want to pick up with that, with rest, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Familiar, every verse today, familiar verses that you've known since Sunday school, but, but Sunday school, great, right? Rhonda and I were talking about this yesterday. I'm in a hermeneutics class in seminary, and this week we were studying Abraham and Isaac and you know digging into all this stuff in terms that I've never heard in my life, and I've been preaching 40 years. And then after I finished all the assignments, I was sitting there and I was singing, not even realizing, like half conscious, going, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons has Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just, and I looked over at Rhonda, I said, you know, all seminary aside, it really just does come down to Sunday school, doesn't it? <laughs> That's what I got out of all that this morning. Father Abraham had many sons. I'm one of them and so are you. Amen? So this is one of those that you've known your whole life, some of you. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I also want to say this, this Bible here. Um, one of the reasons Hosanna was here last week was she came to rebuke us. Not all of you, but a couple of us for not being on the wall. And, uh, and that's, that's okay, thank God. See, I, I'm one of those people, I want God to speak to me even if, even if it's a rebuke. <laughs> I don't like silence. And... Um, so she just came to encourage us. <laughs> and so we were gathering for prayer. This is my old prayer Bible that goes all the way back. I've had it before we were a house of prayer. And about 10 years ago, I couldn't read it anymore because the print was too small. 
And uh, so I had to get another one. And for 10 years, I kept buying Bibles with larger and larger print. I went to large print and then giant print. And like, this is bad because I've still got hopefully a few decades left. And so the other morning when we left the prayer room, I thought, this is stupid. I just grabbed this Bible off the shelf and brought it up here, and I can read it perfectly. And someone said, well, it's glasses. Well, I had glasses then, all right? And then I like what somebody said. I think it was Jamie said, well, glasses are kind of a miracle, <laughs> right? So even if it is the glasses, thank God for the glasses, amen? And so, and what's great about it is this has all the right scriptures marked, you know, from those days. It's almost as bad as Rhonda's Bible. If you look at Rhonda's Bible, every verse in it is marked. And I'm like, at some point, you just need a new Bible, right? Because it's all marked. It doesn't matter anymore. If you emphasize everything, you've emphasized nothing, right? And so Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, tired, worn out, beat down by your... And, and remember who he's preaching to. He's preaching to religious people who want God, these are not people, I know we preach this, you know, it's people that are worn out by sin and worn out by, you know, they've been on drugs and they're in the gutter, and it certainly applies to them. But he's preaching at that moment to religious people who really have spent their life trying to be right with God. And it's to them he says, all right, are you worn out yet? Have you had enough? Are you tired of trying to earn this? You trying to, tired of trying to perform your way into it? Come unto me if you're worn out, and I'll give you rest. Right? It says, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So the question I want to answer is, how do we walk with God? in a way that, you know, is sustainable. So we're not always waiting for the next revival to come through to prop us up again. But how do we walk with God? And the Bible gives us a hint. He says, as you have therefore received the Lord Jesus, so walk in Him. So there's something about the way I received him that is the way I'm going to continue to walk. And, of course, we understand, oh, I know, I know, I received him by faith. Exactly, by trust. And so that's, that's how we're going to walk with him. We're going to walk with him by faith, which means we're going to walk with him by trust, which means we have to believe that this thing is more on him than it is on me. Amen? And so... I want you to look, um, if you will, at Galatians 5.16. I want to look at a couple of verses real quick. And, uh, and I, I know for a fact that I preached this here decades ago because I have it marked in my Bible. <laughs> See? That's what a Bible should look like right there. Galatians chapter 5.16 I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I can remember back many years ago when we had
Sunday night home groups, and we had home groups all the way from Harrison up to Eagle Rock. And um, what Rhonda and I would do, because, uh, you know, we were in charge and we got to make these decisions, we would start at Harrison at the beginning of the night, and we would hit each home group for 10 minutes, just work our way all the way to Eagle Rock. And the reason we would do that is because there'd be food at each place, right? So we'd come in and say, hi, everybody's glad to see us. Hey, yeah, 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 bye. And, but one night we got to the Green Forest one, which was at Esther and Billy's house, and, and, uh, and they stopped us because they were in a discussion about something. They wanted an answer, and they had really good food, so we didn't mind getting stopped. And we started talking about this verse. Remember this verse. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it dawned on me that day that here's the way we typically see that verse. Don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then you can walk in the Spirit. Am I not right? That's how we've typically been conditioned to see that. Don't! Don't! Do that. Don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then you can walk in the Spirit. And it dawned on me that night, that was 20 years ago or so, it says the exact opposite. we got to hold the wrong end of the stick. If somehow I can keep from fulfilling the lust of the flesh, if somehow I can keep from doing that, William, I can walk in the Spirit. So well, what's the difference? I said, you know, here's the thing. And I, I remember this like it was yesterday. I said, if, if Jesus came in the flesh tonight and walked into this home group. And we all went and gathered in around the table, and Jesus is sitting right there at the table, Jesus himself. And we're just talking. And he was there for an hour. I promise you that for the next hour, nobody would have any kind of a problem with sin or temptation. Why? Because our focus would be completely on something else. It wouldn't be that, oh, I can't do that because Jesus is here. We wouldn't even think about doing that. He'd be like, whoa. Now, the minute he walked out, we would <laughs> things would start to come to our minds again. Um, but while he was there, he would have our full attention. And that's what this is saying. If we walk in the Spirit, we don't have to worry about the lust of the flesh. Hello. And, and that's, that's it's, it's amazing. He goes on and talks about the works of the flesh and the, and the fruit of the Spirit. But it's, it's re- and that's what Jesus, or Drew had on his mind this morning. Jesus had on his mind and told Drew. Um, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things above. On the earth. It's, it's a matter of where we set our attention. That's why you can go to church and every week, and I'm not saying we should never preach thou shalt not. Of course we should. It's in the New Testament. The New Testament has plenty of thou shalt not preaching in it. So if, you, if you're at a church that never preaches thou shalt not, they're wonky and unbalanced. All right? Uh, 
I, you say you should leave. No, you shouldn't leave. You should ask for your Sunday in the pulpit and preach some thou shalt nots. And everybody's got some thou shalt nots they'd like to preach. You know the difference in a big sin and a little sin? Little sins are what I'm doing. Big sins are what you're doing, right? <laughs> Mortal sins are what some of you are doing, right? And, um, but here's the thing is, uh, um, what was I saying? Yeah, set, set your affection on things above. It's a matter of where we set our mind, where we set our focus. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, I want you to turn there. Um, which I think, in my opinion, Romans 8 is like the center of the Bible. It's like everything before Romans 8 just kind of rushes downhill into Romans 8, and then everything after Romans 8 flows out of it. It's certainly the pivotal point of the book of Romans, but I just think it is of the whole Bible. I think the Bible, and I say I'm flowing down, but the Bible reaches its pinnacle, it reaches its climax in Romans chapter 8. There's therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son of the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So here we go again. I, said, I need to not walk according to the flesh. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. If, if, you, if you're waiting to get your carnal mind on board, it's never going to be on board. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And that always bothered us as Pentecostals, because to us, being in the flesh, you know, meant... Um, you're angry or jealous or maybe you just danced when you weren't supposed to. You know, it's all in the flesh. But he goes on and tells us what in the flesh and in the spirit is. He said, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So guess what? If you're born again, you can't be in the flesh. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. But if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, and he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren... We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now again, I want you to see what he's saying. Because if you had been reading in chapter 7, 
once again, here's a man full of a religion where he was desperately seeking God and worn out by it. And he's, in chapter 7, he's talking about, man, even though I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin that was in my members. So what am I going to do? Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank my God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. So there's this thing. He says, I, I, I see this law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. I don't understand what I'm doing, he said. The things I will to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. I constantly find myself before the throne of God saying, I did it again. Hello? Is that anybody else here? Or is, is that why I don't preach anymore? <laughs> it's because I'm the only one. <laughs> but it's true, right? I mean, how many times? Lord, I know you know this. But somehow in your plan, you want me to tell you what you already know. I did it again. Hello? Now, maturity as a Christian is when you come to the place where you know not to say, I vow I'll never do it again. <laughs> Amen? A mature Christian says, Lord, <laughs> you are my hiding place. <laughs> Hello. There's a reason why sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Amen. So what is he saying? He's saying, look, we're not debtors to the flesh. And what he's saying is, is it's not just about sin. It's about this law of the flesh, this law of sin in the flesh that, that wants to convince you that it's still in charge. The religion of the flesh wants to convince you that it's still in charge, that it still owns you. Hello. That's why we have this theology. Don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you can walk in the Spirit. Got to pay off the flesh some kind of way. We're debtors to the flesh. Yes, we've become born-again Christians and, and the Lord loves us, but somehow we still owe a debt to the flesh. Somehow, if we want to walk with God, the flesh gets to tax us or lay tribute on us and demand some kind of a response. Right? And what Paul was saying was, no, the one thing you need to get delivered of is this idea that the flesh is in charge and that somehow you have to pay a tribute or a tax to your flesh in order to walk with God. Somehow you got to not fulfill the lust of the flesh in order to walk in the Spirit. It's not even an option to you to walk in the Spirit until, until you've dealt with the flesh when in fact the power comes from the opposite revelation which is if I set my mind on things above, 
if I set my mind on the things of the Spirit, then I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, we love breakthrough. And particularly this church with its background, we love breakthrough, we love revival breakthrough. We've, we've lived our life from breakthrough to breakthrough. But I like what Mike Bickle says about prayer. Those of you that are struggling with prayer and you're like, boy, I wish I'd get a breakthrough. Mike says, you know, our hearts are like a cold, frozen piece of hamburger. We want a breakthrough, but really what you need to do is you just come and you just set that cold piece of hamburger, frozen piece of hamburger before the presence of the Lord. And leave it there long enough, it starts to thaw out. So I love breakthrough too because I don't like to go through any kind of process. My family will tell you I don't like process. But the reality is what some of you really need to do is first of all, believe that you belong in the presence of the Lord at the throne of grace. And then sit yourself there for weeks or months, whatever it takes for your heart to start to thaw out. And so we've been praying over here in the early mornings. I sit right there where Stephen's sitting, and other people seem like they have breakthroughs, and I don't seem like I have one. But I'm there by faith, letting my heart sit in the presence of the Lord begin to thaw so then suddenly you're singing a song that hasn't moved you in months and now there's a little tear or now you're you're in a worship service you're a little more engaged now you're looking at the word and it's a little more intense and what's happening your heart is thawing and we all go through those seasons where we need to be thawed out again and if you're waiting if you're sitting at home waiting on a breakthrough you're not going to get it in all likelihood now I'm not in charge so I can't say, you will not get it. I'm saying in all likelihood, because the reality is God does weird things to people who don't even deserve it. Amen. Like Chris Jackson's testimony of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was a young Christian. He, was, he, was, he wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he, he highlighted every scripture on the Holy Spirit in the New Testament in orange and memorized them. And then they went to a revival, him and some of his friends one night, and he said, three of my friends and I went to revival, and all three of them got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't get the Holy Spirit. He said, I was furious. Wasn't happy for them. He said, we left. I'm walking across the parking lot. I said, God, you gave them the Holy Spirit? And not one of them has one-tenth of the orange scriptures memorized that I do. Hello. <laughs> it's so God could break in upon you in a home. You could be the furthest, the coldest, hardest heart here, and God decided, well, I I I need you. <laughs> Boom. It's like Saul. Saul was definitely not next up on the list of people to get saved right the apostle paul okay it's your turn we got everybody else no i mean he was the farthest from god and god said okay it's time 
So that can happen. But in general, beloved, you need to set your heart before the Lord. Set your affection on things above. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And, and, and that's the battle because your, your flesh is going to rise up and say, you just did this just Tuesday. Who are you to come to the presence of the Lord? Do you understand? See, that's what I mean by saying the flesh thinks it still has the right to demand attacks. It thinks it still has a right to demand a tribute for you to seek God. Don't walk in the flesh. Do it long enough. I don't know how many days it has to be. At least eight. At least cover two Sundays. And then, and then you can walk in the Spirit. See, that's the tax. That's the tribute. And I know I keep repeating that, but that is a revelation that will set somebody in this room free. I don't care... What an idiot you were on Tuesday. As long as it wasn't Wednesday or later, you can seek God. Amen. I don't care how bad you blew it. That was what we talked about last week. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. When do you need mercy? When you've been acting like an idiot. In other words, when you've been acting like yourself. But you get to come. Why? Because in His presence is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. You'll never have any strength. You'll never have any victory anywhere other than the presence of the Lord. So we have to reject the flesh and its demand for attacks and say, you are not in charge. Hello? I wrote it down this way. And Turn to Romans 6 and we'll finish there. I wrote it down this way a minute ago. I don't owe my flesh anything. I don't owe my flesh anything. Amen? It's not in charge. You don't get to tax me. No, no, I, I can boldly come. Romans 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? I'm not preaching license. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried through baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united in the likeness of His death, certainly we'll also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also. Now watch this. Reckon. Everyone say, I reckon. Now everybody in here knows what reckoning means, right? I reckon. I've been thinking about it, and I reckon. Likewise, you yourselves reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What does it mean to be in grace? It means sin does not have dominion over me. I don't have to do what the flesh says. And sometimes what the flesh is saying is, you need to stay away from the presence of God because you're not worthy. I don't have to do what you say. I don't owe you anything. Remember, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. And, and remember, in that statement, he's not simply saying we're debtors not to the flesh to live in sin, but he's also talking about just religion. We're not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh and to try to make this work out in the flesh and to try to please God in the flesh and to try to earn this in the flesh. We're not debtors to that. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And that's, again, yes, if you're going to go out and be a, a rounder, they used to call them. Let me know what that word means. Way over 50. Um, a bad person. <laughs> yes, that's living according to the flesh and you'll die. But if... If your whole thing is just trying to make this work out religiously, that's living according to the flesh too, and you're going to die. You, that's not rest. I, I, I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying to someone today, and not necessarily to somebody who's not saved, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying to somebody that maybe knows Him, are you worn out yet? Hello? We're not, we're not debtors to the flesh. So when the flesh says, you, you, you can't pray, you, I mean, you just... Jacked somebody up Wednesday. You haven't repented about it yet. No, I don't owe you anything. And when I get in the presence of the Lord, you know what? The Lord always, I'll, I'll conclude with this. Was, <clears throat> how many remember the old prayer outline, the old Larry Lee prayer outline on the Lord's Prayer? And that's still my go-to when I get stuck. Because after 40 years of praying, there's times I come in and sit in the presence of the Lord and go, um, uh, uh, okay, Father who art in heaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Father, Father, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Holy is your name. Yeah, okay, now we're going. I remember now. And <laughs> we hear it like that. But we, and I taught you this years ago, it's interesting because the church I grew up in, when we started at 11 o'clock sharp on Sunday morning, we started with a prayer. Brother so-and-so, there's always brother so-and-so, which I didn't realize how weird that was until years later, and I realized it was the women that did most of the praying around the church. And then I wondered, how come we always had the men pray in public when I was a kid when the women are the ones coming to the prayer meeting? <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, so, brother so-and-so stand and start us in prayer. And he would start us with this. Father in heaven, forgive us of our sins. I always start with that prayer, with that line. Forgive us of our sins. Why? Because our theology said if we didn't get that taken care of first, he wasn't going to hear anything else we said. Right? And then 59 minutes later when we were ending, yeah, and it better be 59 or there's going to be a meeting. 59 minutes later when we were ending, brother so-and-so concluded us in prayer, he'd stand up and say, Father in heaven, forgive us of our sins. And even as a kid, I couldn't figure why we needed that again within the same hour when we'd just been in church the whole time. Right? Right? And so I was like, why, why, why do we start all prayers with forgive us of our sins? You know, there's good prayers and there's bad prayers. You know, when, when my kids were little, my wife taught them to pray. And uh, the bedtime prayer. And, and I came in and she had taught him to pray. And she said, okay, Drew, it's time to pray. And he said, thank you, Jesus, for today and your blessings. Help me now to rest in your peace. Amen. I said, that is such an awesome prayer. That's a lot better than the prayer my parents taught me to pray at bedtime. Remember that one? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. We were hardcore. <laughs> you may not live through the night, son, but we're trusting God to take you if you don't. No wonder I laid there and stared at the ceiling half the night. I said, no, that's a much better prayer. <laughs> Amen. But we had the same thing. Lord, forgive me of my sins. And one day I was reading the Lord's Prayer. And it dawned on me that the Lord had gotten it out of order. I was reading the prayer and I was going, Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us of our sins. Way down toward the end. And I said, Lord, your, your prayer's not right. <laughs> you know that, right? You've got to start with forgive us of our sins. I said, Lord, how come you tucked that way down at the end? I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, because... When you come into my presence, I want your focus to be upon me and not on you. Because if the focus is on you, you'll hide in the weeds, you'll hide behind the trees like Adam did, and you'll never come. If the focus is on you, if we're going to start by talking about all you did, which, by the way, you only bring up about a fifth of it anyway, right? <laughs> Even if you go and confess your sins, you get about a fifth of them, maybe, and you don't get any of them that he's really concerned about. He said, I want you to come in and the focus be on me and we're going to talk about these things and we're going we're to talk about the kingdom and we're going to talk about all these things. And then, yeah, eventually we're going to talk about your stuff. And usually when we get down to that stuff, it's a whole different set of things than I thought what he was going to want to talk about. And he talks about it in a way that I get free. 
Because if we were going to talk about that first, I probably wouldn't have prayed some days. Amen. <laughs> so I just want to leave you with that. How do, I, how do I set my mind on things above? Well, Father who art in heaven is a good way to start. And if you're newer in this church, and by newer now means like in the last 10 years, um, and you've never heard of that, you've never heard of that teaching, that outline, just holler and somebody can get it to you. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's awesome. And again, after all these years of praying, there's a lot of days, that's what it comes down to for me is just that little simple outline of praying the Lord's Prayer. And... Uh, talking about what he because Jesus said I mean how can you improve on Jesus when you pray pray after this manner amen walk in the spirit set your mind on the things of the spirit set your mind on the things of God set your mind on him and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh now it's not a math calculation like I have my mind on the spirit and I still sin no it's not a math calculation it is a process whereby as you focus on Him, the lust of the flesh becomes less and less of a problem. And it may take you the rest of your life, but He that has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He promises you that. He promises you that you who He foreknew, and I know, I know He foreknew you because He called you. He also predestined for what? For heaven. Yeah, but more than that. To be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And in 1 John 3, he says, What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And then he goes on to say, Beloved, now are we the children of God. And it has not yet appeared what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we'll see him as he is. And I know ultimately that's talking about when he comes again. And at that moment, this mortal will put on immortality and this corruption will put on incorruption and will be changed. But I think there's a spiritual principle there too that says, to the extent that I see him now, I become like him. So I'm not going to get better by constantly being introspective and thinking about how bad I am. If the Holy Spirit brings something to, to me that and convicts me to forsake it, that's one thing. But this constant introspection of looking at how bad I am is not going to make me get better. But when I see Him, I become like Him. So if I can, that's, that's where one thing comes in. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Because the more I gaze upon Him, the more I become like Him. Amen. Let's stand. Pastor, I'll just give it to you. We've been around each other, so I'll use this microphone. just close your eyes for a second just take a deep breath because I I think this idea of rest not this idea it's not an idea this truth of rest is reality 
Some of us have been working so hard, me included. another deep breath. Just put your mind on the Lord. I'm just read you Psalm 27, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries, my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rises against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after. And notice what he's about to say. It's not that he'd rescue me from my enemies. It's not that he would stop the army encamping against him. He said, the one thing I've asked the Lord and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he hid me in his shelter. He concealed me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. My head shall be lifted up. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. He is good. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.